It's so great to be here in person. Like, it's, it's still sinking in. Like, I, this morning, I was preparing, like, ready to speak into a camera without any of you in the room. And so getting the news that we were going to be here in person today was just super exciting. So thanks to all of you for coming. I'm excited we get to do this next week as well. Um, for those of you tuning in through the live stream, hey, thanks for being here as well. Um, hope you can join us next week. But always, we love all of you who can watch in whatever way, shape, or form you can. Um, so this semester, we have been traveling with the Israelites through the book of Exodus, where we discover that the struggle is real. Israel. Hey. We like puns in Kyle Um And so we're continuing to, to see that the struggle is real when we're learning how to live with God and for God. And now tonight we're going to continue where we left off last week, as Rachel and Julia did such a great job looking at some of the objections that, that Moses had to God when he gave them this, this God-sized task. And so uh, what's happening is that God is talking to Moses through a burning bush. It's just this really miraculous and awesome thing that's going on. And God is telling Moses that he is to go and to set the Israelites free from their bondage, from their slavery in Egypt. But Moses responds to God's directions with his own objections. And last week, we looked at the first two objections. The first objection, the first question that Moses had was, well, well who am I? He felt completely unqualified. He, who, who am I, God, that you would choose me to do this? I, I'm not the right person for that. And, and, and the second objection was, well, who do I say sent me? Like, who, who are you, God, to, to ask this of me? And tonight, we're going we're gonna to look at the next three objections. So hold on tight to your seats. It's going to get wild. But we're going to see, as the conversation continues between Moses and God, that Moses' struggle, which is often our struggle as well, to say yes to what God is asking of us. And we're going to look at the next three objections, because every objection that Moses gives are ones that we can all relate to all too well. But before we look at the first objection of the night, we're going to look again at what God is specifically asking of Moses. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to chapter 3 of Exodus, starting in verse 16. Give you a second to turn there. Great. So God says to Moses... Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. 
So God gives Moses the task of bringing this exciting news to the people of Israel, specifically to the elders of Israel, that God has heard their cries for help and that a time is coming for them to be freed from their bondage in Egypt and brought into a new land flowing with milk and honey. And for those that might not know, the Israelites have been in Egypt now for over 400 years. And so there have been many generations where all they have known is oppression, all that they have known is slavery here in Egypt. But that time of slavery would soon be over. They were going to a land of abundance. They were going to a land that God had promised them long, long ago, a place where they could rest and a place where God would be with them. But as great as this news is for the Israelites to hear, Moses has another objection. And so what he says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 is, Well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Even though God had just promised him a few verses earlier, a few moments earlier, that the elders of Israel would listen to him, it says it there in the text, Moses still has his doubts about what God is calling him to. Moses has these own insecurities about his, his effectiveness, or lack thereof. And he's insecure because he's full of self-doubt. Earlier, Moses had questioned God for choosing him to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God answered, telling Moses, it's okay, I will be with you. But now Moses, doubting himself, says, well, what if they don't believe me? Or perhaps another, another way that this question could be understood is, but God, what if you're wrong? Oof. When you phrase it in that way, it's, it's pretty tough. And I, I do believe that Moses did trust God, but it's pretty clear here that he did not trust himself. And whatever trust that, that Moses did have in, in God, it, it couldn't compare to the greater lack of trust that he had in himself. And, and Moses doubted himself more than he doubted God, don't get me wrong, but because Moses doubted himself and it's so prevalent, he then doubts God as well. Have you guys been there? Because it can be easy for us to, to sit back and to criticize Moses for all of these questions and these uh, doubts and excuses that he has when we know how the rest of the story unfolds. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're more like Moses than we are different from Moses. It's all too easy to come up with excuses to avoid the things God asks of us. We might think that perhaps we don't know enough about God or the Bible to share our faith with someone, and so we, we miss out on the opportunity to, to help them find the joy and the abundant life that Jesus has to offer them. Or, or maybe you're on campus or, or you're at work and someone walks by you and, and God nudges you to go and, and just to pray for them. But maybe you decide not to because you, you feel like you're not good enough at praying or it might just be a little awkward or you don't have any idea what you could pray for even though you could just ask them yourself. Uh, but I, I've been there. I've been guilty of this. Maybe you have too. Maybe God has put it on your heart to go, to, uh, go on a missions trip and, and you really wanted to go. You felt that strong desire, but, but the cost of the trip was more than what you were willing to pay. And so on your own, you chose not to go even though God, have, God could have provided in other ways. Maybe God is leading you to, to give to missions, to, to be generous with, with what you have, but you think that what you'd have to give is too small to make a difference, which 
is never the case. Um, but you just decided to put it off until later. Like, ah, oh, no, I'll give the missions, you know, I'll give to these things once I'm out of college. But, but the truth is, is from what we've seen and from many of my own friends is that the people who don't do this in college continue to put it off years and years and years afterwards when they're making plenty to give, but they just choose not to. Maybe God is leading you to forgive someone or, or, or to ask for forgiveness in a broken relationship. But you mistakenly believe that you are not worthy of forgiveness or you just don't even know where to start. And so you don't try. One thing I love about God is that he's not taken back by our questions or our doubts. In fact, he welcomes them. Even, even the hard and difficult questions, he knows the answers. And what Moses is doing here, bringing his own doubts to God, confessing them to him, I think is a practice that we can all benefit from as well. And, and I love how, how the Lord answers Moses' question with a question. Moses says, what, what if they don't believe me? And God says, what's that in your hand? Moses replies, uh, a staff. And, and, and then God goes in and tells him that uh, if the elders won't listen to his message, that he can throw that staff on the ground and it'll become a snake and it'll be a, a sign for those that, that God has sent them. Because Moses couldn't do this on, a, on his own. And then if that's not enough, God says, Oh, well, what about your other hand? And, and he tells Moses to stick that in his cloak, and it's just a normal hand, and he sticks it in his cloak. When he pulls it out of the cloak, it's a hand that is leprous, that has a skin disease. And then he puts it back in the cloak when God tells him to, and it comes out and it's healed. So, so God gives him multiple signs. It ends up giving him three signs to perform in the event that his words are not enough. God gives Moses these signs to accompany his message of freedom, and he just simply asks Moses to be obedient. And I love that God takes what Moses already has, a staff in his hand, and he tells Moses, I will use what you already have, and they will believe you. It's okay if you don't know much about the Bible. Just share what you know. Introduce them to who you know. God will move through you. Jesus said that we could do great things even if we just had faith the size of a mustard seed, which is very, very small. It's okay if you don't have enough to pay your whole way for a missions trip. We serve a God who provides where he guides, and I can't tell you how many times over the years that I've seen um, students who, who were originally unsure about the cost of a missions trip. Even, even when I was a student myself, the first mission trip I was going on, I was like, there's no way I can afford to pay the price for this, um, only to become blown away by how God provided for that trip through the generosity of others. It's okay if you only have a little bit to be generous or to give. Give what you can, and God will bless it. You'll be storing for yourselves treasures in heaven if you do so. If God is leading you to, to reconciliation with a friend, pray about it and just take the first step by reaching out and being honest. No more excuses, just obedience. God will be with you. Maybe God is simply calling you to believe in him for the first time. What is it that God is calling you to do? I encourage you to take some time tonight, to take some time this week and to talk with God. Sit down with him in prayer and ask him this question, Lord, what are you leading me to do? Are there things in my life that, that I need to change? Are there, are there other things that I can be doing for you? Can I better love my neighbor? Can I better love others? What can I do? And take some time to just sit with him, listen to what he'd say through prayer or his word. I love this quote by David Wilkerson I, I recently saw from a friend. 
He says, when God calls you to something, he's not always calling you to succeed. He's calling you to obey. The success of the calling is up to him. The obedience is up to you. Yeah, I know, that's awesome. I was like, hey, <laughs> Facebook is not that productive, but I saw that on Facebook. I'm like, I'm going to use that in a sermon. Stick it in my pocket. Thanks, Dave. Um, what God is asking of you may seem too difficult or great for you to accomplish on your own. And that's because it probably is. But with him, all things are possible. God simply asks for you and for me just to be obedient. Another truth we learn from this conversation with Moses and God is that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. Moses didn't feel qualified for the task, and that's probably because he wasn't. This was a God-sized task, and it was way over Moses' head. But God simply asks Moses to obey. God would do the heavy lifting here. He would be the one who would qualify Moses and give him everything that he would need for the task if he would just say yes. And, and, and on its own, Moses' staff was powerless. It was just a piece of wood after all, okay? Um, but Moses' staff never did anything, as a matter of fact. But God took what Moses already had, the staff in his hand, and he used it for greater things than Moses could ever imagine. All the miracles that would happen, and I won't name them right now because it'd be spoiling uh, the rest of the semester, but, but all the things that Moses did with that staff, the staff didn't do those things. God did. The staff was just a, a tangible, a, a physical reminder that God was with Moses, and he will be with you too. All that he asked Moses to do is to trust him and be obedient in what God is leading him to do. The same is what God asks for each of us, to be obedient to him in what we do, in all that we do. God asks Mo uh, Moses asks God, rather, what if they don't believe in me? But God is asking Moses, will you believe me? And that question is for us to think about as well. Will you believe and trust God? And will you obey him faithfully? It's up to God for the results, but the obedience part is up to us. So having known this, Moses must certainly be ready to go now. No more objections, no more excuses. Right, Katie? You've been saying. God calls the shepherd this person that has probably been alone for 40 years with the sheep on your average day. He calls the person who can't speak that clearly or that well to go and communicate and negotiate the freedom for an entire nation. He calls college students to go into the marketplace, to go into the unreached places of the earth, he calls college students to stay on the college campus and minister and to reach other students for Christ. It's truly not about us. It's not about our ability or what we think we're lacking in our abilities because it's about God. His ability is sufficient. His power is enough. And if we are open and willing to follow him, living for Jesus is the best adventure you will ever go on. And I love that we don't have to be perfect or already have everything together before God will send us to take part in his rescue plan. So Luke 4.18 is um, a quote from Jesus. 
Jesus is quoting actually Isaiah in this, but this is when Jesus was walking around on the earth and he was just um, doing ministry on the earth and he says, Jesus says this in Luke 4, 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news for the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So in here we have proclaim the good news, proclaim freedom, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and that is a lot of proclaiming. And proclaiming means doing, saying things with your mouth. Saying words with your mouth. And Jesus says, this is my mission. This is my mission here on earth. And then Jesus leaves. He sends the Holy Spirit, who is now God with us. And Jesus then gives us this mission. And we are equipped by God, through the Holy Spirit, by God, to do this, to proclaim the news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And God doesn't leave us alone, gives us this mission, gives us the Holy Spirit. And as we trust God and are obedient to Him, we get to take part in this. So Moses says, God, I'm not eloquent enough. And God's reply is, I know you, I made you, and I choose you to lay down your mission and to pick up mine. So the struggle is real to say yes. So Moses says, God, I'm not eloquent enough. What would you say? What are your objections to partnering with God? God, I'm not blank enough. Moses says, God, I'm not eloquent enough. What just popped into your mind? What fills in the blank for you? Think about that for a moment. God, I'm not enough. What pops into your mind here? If you have a pen, write it down. God, I'm not What comes to your mind when you hear that? So we're going to just take a minute, write that down, write a note in your phone. You don't have paper. I'm a big journal person. God, I'm not blank enough. What is holding us back from partnering? going on mission with him. I'm not good enough. Okay, so you've written your thing down. I'm not good now let's read one more what God says in verse 11. Exodus 4, verse 11. Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or leads them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you. God says, now go, I will help you. So while Josh is coming up for the next objection, the last one, consider. So here we go. We've been through four different objections over the last two weeks. Last week, Julie and Rachel talked about two objections. This week, Hunter and Katie talked about the next two. And so it's got to be over, right? This has got to be it. Moses has seen God move in power. He's seen God do the miraculous. He's seen God answer every single deep part of his heart, any insecurity that he's had, all the things that Moses has put before God, God has answered. God has done it. He has done it again and again and again. In this moment, like, and let's not forget that all this started with a bush that was consumed with fire but didn't actually burn up. Like, it's, 
And also, like, God is the one who saved Moses from Pharaoh from the very beginning. And so this must be it. Moses has got it. God has done all the things that Moses needs him to do. And then we find out right now that actually Moses is just like us. He's just like us when we were kids. He's just like us when we sit in our apartments right now. Because the very next objection that Moses makes is, turn with me, chapter 4, verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant. I love that. Pardon your servant, Lord. Like, I haven't forgotten that you're the, the God of power. Like, you were the God that was in the bush. And like, you're like the God that spoke creation into existence. And so, pardon me, Lord. Pardon. I feel like that's how I'm going to start talking to God or at least talking to um, people that are in authority over me. Pardon. I'm sorry, sir. Pardon. Pardon, man. Pardon your servant. Lord, uh, please send someone else. We can all relate to this one, right? We've seen this play out in so many different aspects of our lives, not just when we think about uh, things of God, but this has just been happening ever since we were kids, right? When, you're, when your parents or your guardians, as they look at you and say, hey, can you take the trash out? Can't somebody else do it? Or like, hey, can you empty the dishwasher? Isn't it someone else's turn? Or, or all we're trying to think about is the times that we have done it, and we don't want to think about the times that other people have done it. It's like, can't somebody else do it? And you're like, maybe we're just going to grow out of this, and then you get to college. And how many of you know that the dishes sit in the sink, and they're never yours, Right? The dishes are always there, and they're never yours, and you show up every single week and every single day, and it's like, how did this get here? And then you sit, down in the, you sit down in the living room, and you're sitting there talking, and all of a sudden it's like, you want a drink, right? But you're in college, right? Like, times are, times are tough, and so there's only two cups that are in the cabinet anyway, and you know they're both sitting in the sink dirty. You're like, oh, this ain't good. This ain't good. I know I didn't do it. I know it must have been someone else. And you're sitting there talking, and you're all talking, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, is somebody going to do those dishes? And I'm like, well, they're not my dishes. Why Can't somebody else do it? Can't somebody else do it? And you go back and forth all these times, like, and you're like, just, just, just somebody else do it. But if you just would have done it, it would have been over. When you just would have acted in... That moment when you knew that it was something that had to be done, when you knew that it was something that should be done, if you just would have done it, it would have already been over. And Moses, laying all these objections before God, Moses, and relating to us in, in the way that we, can, that we can feel, says, Lord, send someone else. Why does it have to be me? And maybe you've had those moments, as Hunter or Katie talked tonight, where you have been thinking something has come to your mind where the Lord has asked you to act in obedience, where the Lord has spoken to you, where the Lord has, has put something on your heart, the Lord has put someone on your heart, or there's been a, a nudge or a feeling or something you just can't quite shake, and you've thought, can't someone else do it? Why do I have to sit beside her in class? Why do I have to sit beside him in class? Or why do they have to be my roommate? Can't someone else do that? Why do I have to lead a small group? Why do I have to talk to my friends about Jesus? Why do I have to tell my parents I'm involved in Kyle? But can't someone else do this? Lord, let anybody else. I know you've answered all these different objections, but I don't 
want to do it. Hey, that's real, right? That's all too real in my own life. That's all too real in many of your lives. That's all too real in so many people's lives because the struggle is real. The struggle to be obedient can be very real for each and every one of us. And so I just want to make three points as we close out these objections. As we look at why we object to God, why we find ourselves saying, just send someone else. After all this, just send someone else. And the first one is that we think too low of ourselves. We think that I'm not ready. I'm not qualified. I, it can't be me. I think that, uh, and I think that what we often do is we lose the battle in our mind, right? How many of you know that as you're walking, as you're, as you're, as you're thinking, as you're listening to music or whatever you're doing, that there are these thoughts that play over in your head, and some of you can think of them right now, and there are these things that play back and forth to you, and when it comes to obeying God, when he puts little nudges in your heart or when he, when he drops things in your spirit, and it's like a chorus starts to ring out in your brain. And it's not good things, right? And in, in that moment, like we succumb to the thoughts that, and we lose the battle in our mind because we begin to think about all the negative things that we have done. We think about the things that we did our first weekend of college that we're not necessarily proud of anymore. We think about the things that we did when we were in high school or the things like, like all the times that our parents asked us questions and we lied to them. And now we wish we wouldn't have. Or, and, we, and we define ourselves by our worst moments in the moments when God asks us to do something. And so we continue to press ourselves down lower and lower and lower as if that is going to be what is going to allow us to get out of this cycle. Where we continue to say, oh, it's not me. It can't be me. Because I did this, because I did this, because I did this, because I thought that, because I looked at that, because I didn't do that. And we lose the battle in our minds. The Bible tells us that, that what, what should you think about? The Bible says that we should think about things that are true, things that are noble, things that are trustworthy, things that are praiseworthy. The Bible says to think about such things. And can I encourage you, when the Lord asks you to do something, when you're pondering obedience and you're thinking about yourself, think rightly about yourself. Think of yourself as a child of God. Think of yourself as the one who the Lord is speaking to in that moment. Think of yourself as the Lord sees you. And to think rightly about yourself. And to see yourself lifted up into everything that the Lord would have for you. I can promise you as I stand on this stage right now, there is nothing that you could have done. There is nothing that you have done that has disqualified you from union with the Lord, from intimacy with the Lord, and from marching with the Lord. Believe that. Receive that tonight. Do not think too low of yourself. When you look at yourselves, when you look at your friends, I want you to see purpose and potential and to see these things that can rise up within us and see what the Lord could do with those as we obey him immediately. 
The next point, when it comes to our inability or our lack of a desire to obey the Lord, to walk in obedience, to, to trust the Lord with these things, is that not only do we think too low of ourselves, but we think too low of God, right? It's fascinating that Moses here, that the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, the God who has made all these things happen, the God who has saved him from all these things, the God who is speaking to him there face to face. And Moses is like, I think you got the wrong guy. And God's like, oh, wait, your name's Moses? I had no idea. I, you, you're right, Moses. I meant to talk, I, you know. It's all this sand out here. I just got a little bit lost with the directions. And so, you know, and it's like, it's like, no, like, obviously he did this on purpose. The Lord does everything on purpose. This is who God is. He is trustworthy. He is true. Like, he is creative. He is purposeful. And so God has done all of this on purpose. And when we find ourselves interacting with him, when we find ourselves hearing his voice or, or sensing his nudges, that this is all on purpose. This is who the Lord is. This is what he does, and he does not do things on accident. The Bible is constantly a story of God's sovereignty and of God's power, and there are moments where, where the people of God look like, you know what, they're up against it, and we're going to see that play out through the rest of the book of Exodus, where, where it's like, this, how are they going to get out of this but God? Won't he do it again? Won't he do it again? Won't he do it again? And this is who God is. This is who he reveals himself to be. This is who he is in each one of your lives. Like, like you are here by no accident. But the Lord in his power, the Lord in his sufficiency, the Lord in his grace has brought you here right now for such a time as this. And so sometimes we don't trust God because we don't think very highly of him. We think he has done this on accident. And he has not. By his divine purpose, he has brought you here. And this is what he wants you to see and do and believe. And so the first one, we think too low of ourselves. The second one, we think too low of God. The third one is, and I think this is the one that is all too real, even in my own life, as I processed uh, this passage. We get distracted by other things. And we would rather not move out of our state of meh. What, what it's uh, one of the laws of thermodynamics, and I'm not, I didn't really do a lot of science. Um, I, did, I, took a, I took a math class in college, I did. Um, and when I say I took a math class in college, I mean literally that, just one class. It was 50 minutes. And I dropped it immediately. I was like, <laughs> but back then you had to like go back to your room to drop classes because that's where the internet was. Uh, so I walked back to my room, calculus two. I was like, nope, ain't nobody got time for that. And so I dropped that um, and took some gen ed that I probably got a C plus in. Anyways, that that's, has nothing to do with anything. And look at me now. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah, C plus. That's what I would give this too. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I so appreciate being in person. <laughs> like, that just wouldn't have hit on Instagram. Um, so, uh, an object at rest tends to stay at rest, right? And we, as we live in our lives of comfort, as we live in lives of constant distraction, right? Like, the, the, the life that you all live, the, the university that you're at, the, the world that you have grown up in is a life of constant distraction. There are pings and tings and texts and messages and 
so many different ways to send pictures to one another and to talk to one another and and there are so many things to do right there and it's like even in a covid world there are still so many things to see there's constantly more to see there's constantly more to know there's constantly constant constant and it's so much easier to sit and be distracted it's so much easier to sit and not do anything it's so much easier to sit and ask for the lord to send someone else because we've been surrounded by this comfort to take a step into something else, it's like, I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what that could be like. And so I would rather not. Isn't there someone else? Moses at this point has been a, has been a shepherd for around 40 years, right? He's married. Like, it's like the life of comfort. It's the life of ease. And, and the Lord now asking him to go back to Egypt. And it's like, I would actually rather just stay here. I know what's going to happen. I can control it, I think. So just let me sit here and scroll. Don't make me talk to someone. Don't make me do something I don't want to do. Don't make me do something that is outside of everything I've been taught to this point. I've been thinking about myself instead of thinking about you. And I would rather just stay here. And I know, man, that one is it for me. When it comes to obeying the Lord's voice, as I'm walking on campus, it's like, I'll tell you a story just from this past week. I was, I had just left the house. I was in the suburban, took a left at the bottom of our street, turned on South Mason. I saw a young lady and she had uh, two yellow key tags on her backpack um, from UVA's Pow Hut, which I recognized from my time working there, right? And I thought, I wonder if she knows that there is a Chi Alpha here at JMU. I bet she would like to know that. And so I drove on. I couldn't get over the uncomfortableness in that moment to roll my window down and ask her if she knew Kyle was here, to get her phone number, to give to someone else, to do, and instead I just drove, because it was easier. Because it felt like there's no risk for me, but there was also no adventure. There's also no sense of like, what could have actually And that's what I love about the rest of Exodus, right? Is that Moses will eventually say yes. Like he'll go kicking and screaming. And the Lord does the miraculous. The Lord does the rest. The Lord moves in power. The Lord parts the Red Sea. The Lord does so many things and he sets the people free. Not because of Moses, probably in spite of Moses. Because this is who the Lord is. So let's finish our passage out. Verse 14, the Lord has had enough, right? Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you to speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform 
the signs with it. I'll make a couple points as we close out here. One, the Lord brings a partner for Moses. So we talk about real community, like this life lived on purpose, this life lived in radical obedience to Jesus is so much more fun with people alongside with us. Then Moses and Aaron get to do what only brothers can do and to travel into Pharaoh's house and to, to, to see the miraculous and to see the Israelites set free. It's also interesting to me that, that in this moment, the Lord tells Moses that Aaron is going to be the one that speaks for him. But man, I... The more I read the text, the more it reads as if Moses is the one speaking to Pharaoh. That in this moment, Moses wasn't able to to feel like it was going to be him, but later on, it is going to be Moses. Moses is going to be the one that speaks to the rock. Moses is going to be the one that does a lot of the talking throughout the rest of the book of Exodus. And so the, the Lord brings Aaron beside him to encourage him and to see Moses step into everything that he would have. And I love that he tells him to take the staff. Grab the staff of God, the staff of Moses. Carry this with you. That staff is going to be very important as the text is going to play out. But here's the point I want you to take away from it right now. That staff represented the power of God in Moses' life right then. The miraculous had been happening through that staff as the Lord had done it. And I think that we, as the people of God living in the New Covenant, we, as the people of God, now have that staff that we carry around with us all the time. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit dwells in us as believers, that as we go, as we go on this journey, the Lord is with us. That the staff represented that the Lord is with Moses and the Holy Spirit represents that the Lord is with us right now. That as you go into your classes, that as you go into your houses, as you go back to your homes, as you in your coming and your going, as you go on the adventure of obeying Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with you. The Bible tells us that that he will be with you wherever you go and that he will always be with you. And so in those moments, you don't have to fear. In those moments, you don't have to think about insecurity. In those moments, you can think about what God is going to do and how he will show himself faithful, how he will show his sovereign power, and how he will do the unimaginable. So as the worship team comes up, we're going to close in song. And so you're actually all going to have to get back to your blue dots. But as you're heading there, I just want you to think about what it could be for you. If it's been moments in your past that you feel like are holding you back from what the Lord is asking of you, instead of singing, I want you to release those things to the Lord right now. If it's been moments of your future that you're afraid to take a step in obedience, you're afraid of what the Lord may do, you're afraid to step out of what what is comfortable, I want you to release that to the Lord right now. If you feel like your view of yourself is too low or your view of God is too low, I want you to release that to the Lord right now. And then after you've done some some time with Jesus yourself, I'm going to invite you to sing with the band and to sing in joyous celebration of what could be. Moses didn't know exactly what it was going to look like when he would set the Israelites free, when the Lord would do it. 
but it was more than he could have ever imagined. And I believe the potential is in this room right now for more than we could ever imagine as we walk in obedience in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So let's pray and sing.